as we go into next week in Easter, we talk about the end of Jesus's physical ministry, um, him dying on the cross. So this week, I wanted to jump actually in the beginning, the first miracle, the first thing that Jesus did, the, the, the beginning, the infancy of his ministry. And um, my title today is Ordinary to Extraordinary. Amen. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you to everyone up top there. I know Ashley jumped up there real quick to help me with my scriptures. So if everyone can repeat after me, Ashley, if it messes up, it's on you. Amen. So no, no, I have like a billion things in there. So she's probably her eyes popped out of her head, but, um, that's another ministry. If you guys want to get involved, if you're creative, um, if you know, you don't have to be super smart on a computer, but that is a ministry that we definitely need some help in because there's just a few of us that are doing it. And with jobs and vacations and different things going on, it's nice to have plan B and C and D and E and F. Amen. So um, if you are interested in that, I don't know if there might be a sign up back there in the media. If not, you can see me, you can see Pastor Jeff. So ordinary to extraordinary, amen. Um, the definition of ordinary, um, it seems like every time I preach, I always break out definitions, um, which means ordinary is a commonplace, plain, no glitz, no glamour. Um, don't mean to burst everyone's bubble in here. Most of us live ordinary lives, amen. Um, we get up, we have our routines, we do our things. Um, the word extraordinary means beyond what is unusual, noteworthy. Nobody is taking notes of our lives most of the time. Oh, man, look at him eat that sandwich. Mm, look at him use his napkin. He's amazing. I'm going to take notes about him forever because everything he does is just excellent. No, we don't live, physically, we don't live extraordinary lives. But we can live spiritually extraordinary lives, amen, through Jesus Christ, amen. And then we even look at Jesus Christ Besides his birth, he led an ordinary life. Um, he had a few moments as a child in the temple, but it, the Bible says that he was very plain looking. I mean, Jesus didn't come out of the womb with glitter all over him, and, you know, he didn't levitate over the ground as a kid. And, you know, he, he just, he, he had a very ordinary life. He was a carpenter. And, um... And he lived an ordinary life, just like us. We have ordinary lives. Um, some of our posts on Facebook may contradict that. Look at this chip. It looks like Jesus. I live an extraordinary life. Look at it. I mean, we put the most mundane things online and, and think it is noteworthy. And it may be noteworthy in our life. I, I saw a post the other day that this little lady, she, she was amazed that her son can go out and point to the street and go, fire truck, fire truck. And she just thought it was amazing. And, you know, that's great, but the kid was 15 years old, so it's like, that's not really that extraordinary that he can point out and say, fire truck. Amen? But we look at Jesus, and he's an ordinary man, a carpenter, and we get to John chapter 2, and um, all of this stuff kind of happens really quickly. Um, Jesus gets baptized, he has his temptation in the desert where he fasts for 40 days, and then he meets his disciples, and then he comes upon his first miracle. So if we can pull up John chapter 2 up there, if you don't have your Bibles. 
we'll put it up there on the screen. And it says, The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festival, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. And Jesus says, Dear woman, that is not my problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you to. Standing nearby were six stone water jugs used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. The master of ceremonies tasted the water, and now the wine, oh, water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from. Though, of course, the servants knew. How many know the servants always know? The servants always know. That just came to me. That's for somebody today. The servants always know. Sometimes you were lost in the limelight, and you feel that you are lost, and you are all alone, but the servants always know. The servants always get the blessing. He called the bridegroom over. A host was always uh, served the best wine first, he said. Uh, then everyone has a lot to drink and then brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best for what? For last or until this moment. So Jesus' first miracle. Jesus shows up on the scene and says, let's do some stuff. I've fought the devil for 40 days. I've claimed victory. I got my crew together. So what's the first thing we're going to do? We're going to party. We're going to party. I'm very surprised that the first time Jesus shows up on the scene, it's a wedding, it's a party. See, a short time has passed since his temptation and, and all of his disciples. So... Why is Jesus at this party? Well, it clearly says in the scriptures, if we go back to chapter 2, I think it's verse 2, and as Jesus and his disciples were what? We can pull up 2 so everyone can do it. They were what? Hmm. They were invited. It's amazing where God will show up when he's invited. God will show up in the last place that you can ever think of in your life if you invite him in. I've preached this before and I've said it before. I have had the most interactive, Holy Ghost, flat out experiences in my shower. I've saved Pantene, I've saved Perk Plus, I've led the, I've seen bars of soap speak in tongues, I've everything. 
loofahs of backsliding came back to the Lord. My church, my, it is a sanctuary in my shower, amen. It is amazing what God will do and where he will go if you want to invite him in, amen. Some of them, you can have Pentecost and a Pento on the way to work, amen, if you invite him in. But we invite so many other things into our lives besides the Lord, amen. We invite so many other thoughts and opinions and doubt. Information is good, but too much information can be detrimental to our, to our walk, amen. How many of you have ever been on WebMD with a cut? Just a, a sore? My elbow hurts. Let me go. I'm dying. I've got two days to live. You're writing your will out because you went on WebMD because your elbow hurt. Amen. Because you are inviting. You invite the wrong things in. Amen. Because the devil will take you to a place where he wants to take you. Amen. There's a battlefield that goes on in our minds. And when we invite outside influences in, other opinions in. Man, the devil will use that and skew it and take you to a place that you were never, ever destined to be in. Amen. And the first thing that we should invite is Jesus Christ into the situation. Amen. Isaiah 55. It says, is anyone thirsty? Who's thirsty this morning? I'm thirsty this morning. Not physically, but every day I wake up, my soul is thirsty because I can't rely on what was yesterday to fulfill, to get me through today. Every day is a new invitation for Jesus Christ into my life. It's not a one-time invite. It's a daily sacrifice. It's a daily agenda. It's every day. Lord, I need you to come into my life today. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to pray this prayer of salvation. Some of us may need to pray the prayer of salvation every day. If that's what it takes for you to get to glory, then praise God. Say it every single day. But I'm saying in every situation, I have to invite Jesus Christ. Because he says that he's a gentleman and he stands on the door and knocks, amen. That Jesus Christ is in the SWAT team and is not going to kick in your door and says, I'm taking over. That's not how it works. It says the Holy Spirit is what? It's a gentleman. To hear my what? My loud, my loud, obnoxious voice? No, to hear my still, calm, whispering voice. That I will work wonders in your life if you let me. So back to Isaiah, it says, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take choice of, what, uh, of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that, that, that does you no good? Listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come with me with your what? Your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all my unfailing love that I promised to David. Come with ears wide open. And so many times God is saying, let me in. Invite me in. I want to be a part of this. 
And a lot of times we come to church and we praise God like this. And we wonder why God isn't moving in my life. But we can't hear his voice. We can't hear that invitation to let him into our life. So when we invite God into our life, that's when things start to happen. So if we go now to verse 3, back in John chapter 2, it says, The wine supply ran out during the festivities. Everyone say, "Uh uh-oh, it ran out. This wasn't B-Y-O-W. This wasn't bring your own wine. Can you imagine all these people with boxed wine going in? They didn't have boxed wine back then. They didn't even have boxes back then. That's silly. Um, <laughs> but the wine, the wine ran out. This was a big thing. Now, you've got to remember, we are talking, we go back to the first verse, it says Cana and Galilee. This was a very, very small, very, very small town. Very, very small, very tight-knit community. So more than likely, the whole town was invited to this wedding. And if you ran out of wine at a wedding, it brought shame and embarrassment upon the family. And it was until Jesus was in the picture that the supply was met. So, so many times in our life, when Jesus is not in the picture, things are going to run out. You're going to run out of something. You're going to run out of joy if Jesus is not in the picture. That's not saying people in the world don't have joy. There's lots of happy people that don't have Jesus Christ in their life. I see it every day. But it's only for a brief moment. And a lot of those happy-go-lucky people that are, yeah, 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 on TV, they go to bed crying themselves to sleep because the joy that they have is artificial joy. A lot of people find their, their place with money. But guess what? Eventually, money runs out. Relationships. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But there might be a couple of divorced people in here. Was that the agenda when you first got married? No. Hey, let's get married and get divorced two, week, two weeks later. That sounds like a plan. In the beginning, it sounded good. But guess what? If Christ isn't in the center of that relationship, that fades. Everyone ever get a pet? That hamster sounded awesome when the kids brought it to your attention. Then three weeks later, you're cleaning the cage or you're cleaning that fishbowl, and this pet was a bad idea. Amen? (laughs) Because that excitement wears off. And then what? Reality sets in. Amen? And purpose. So many people... It amazes me. I I ran into a guy. I was getting shoes, and he's like, yeah, I went to school for podiatry for like five years. And I'm like, why are you working at Big Five? If you went to school to be a podiatrist, I don't have the passion for it anymore. It ran out. It didn't interest me anymore. 
And that blew me away. But so many people, they invest in the idea or the concept of something. It gets them excited. But then it flutters and it fades away. And if Jesus isn't in the middle of everything that you do, in every relationship, in every decision, in every financial commitment that you have, it will run out. And it will fade away. So we jump to verse 4, which is a very bold verse. And I laugh every time I read this. So the wine runs out, and Mary goes to Jesus, Hey, I need you to fix this situation for me. And he says, Dear woman, that's not my problem. What a great verse if we can just cut the rest of the book out and we just held on to that. How happy would some of you guys be in your life? That's not my problem. Hey, can you do this? That's not my problem. Number one, if that was my mom and I said that, there would have been two resurrections that needed to happen. Because she would have instantly killed me there and then I would have had to resurrect and then start this whole thing over again. But what a, what a, what a bold statement. Um, I, I just, I, I find it funny, but um, as, as we go on, um, and this is actually Mary's last recorded words in the Bible. If you go back down to verse 4, it says, Dear woman, that's not my problem. Jesus said, my time has not yet come, which is the first foreshadowing of his crucifixion right there. Because in the book of John, there's eight miracles that happen, and the last miracle is, 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 the, resurre- is the, the death, and he says, finally, my time has come. So actually, in this first miracle, he's actually foreshadowing his crucifixion already, he knows. But Mary's last recorded words, it says, do whatever he tells you. What a profound last statement to have in the Bible. Do whatever Jesus tells you. What if we took that to heart today? And we walked out of this place and we did whatever the Lord told us to do. How full this church would be, how fulfilled your life would be, fulfilled in a spiritual sense, maybe not in a fleshly, worldly experience, but it would be fulfilled spiritually if we went out and we did everything that Jesus said. And Mary is going out on a stretch of faith right now because she's putting Jesus in a situation she has no evidence that he can fulfill this, no physical evidence. Jesus never once performed a miracle before all this happened. He was a carpenter. This guy was making coffee tables two weeks ago. Now she's telling him, turn water to wine. That's a jump. But I think this is, and, and this is, I, when I preach, I, I, I call it a stretching point because I'm going to take it and I'm going to stretch it a little bit into, in, into, into what I think happened or just a, a different perspective of what happened here. Jesus didn't want to get involved in the situation. He was like, this is, this is not my problem. But then Mary persisted and it says, do whatever he wanted. See, Jesus didn't get involved until others got involved. It wasn't until she called the other servants and they were willing and ready, then Jesus went, okay, let's do this now. 
See, Jesus may be invited to the wedding, but things didn't happen until he got involved in the wedding. And so many times, Jesus is invited into our lives, but he's not involved in our lives. See, we take on the claim of, of a Christ and, 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 and as a Christian and a believer, but if Jesus is not actively involved in your life, moving in your life, then all you got is just a cute little sticker on your shirt that says, I'm a Christian. See, what don't we let God get involved in in our lives? I challenge you on this. The next full-blown argument you have with an individual or your wife or your husband or your child, stop and ask God to get involved and see how the tone changes. See how your perspective changes. See how it's not maybe so much that I need to be right or they need to be right. What if we got, what if, what if, here we go. What if we got God involved in our wallet? What if we had God get involved in our finances? What if I, just like Mary, not knowing what's going to happen, and I just write that tithe check going, here you go. I've never seen you do it before in my life, but I'm willing to take a risk on you, Lord. Because I know what's deep down inside. I know what's right. I know that you can do this. Amen. In James chapter 2, 14 through 17, he says, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say I have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? That kind of faith, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothes, you need to say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So see, faith by itself isn't enough unless you produce good deeds. It is dead and useless. There has to be some involvement in our lives. It's not just asking, it is, it is asking Christ into our life, but there's so much more than that. It's, us being active in God's life and God being active in our life and it's a give and a flow, amen. And when that starts to happen, that's when the ordinary becomes extraordinary in our lives. See, if we jump to chapter six or uh, verse six, it says that he used, standing nearby were six stone jars used for a Jewish ceremonial washing each can hold 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Six ordinary jars. And Jesus says, I want those six ordinary jars, the ones that everybody walked by, the ones that everybody never gave a second thought about, the ones that everybody washed their hands in and they're full of muck and dirt and grime, and they're no good for anything to drink out of, Jesus saying, give me those jars. Because you know what those six jars represent? 
The word six in the Bible represents humanity and incomplete brokenness. And Jesus is saying, I want to use that broken jar right here. I want to use that jar that everybody says, you're not good enough to drink out of. You're dirty, you're filthy, you're good for just washing your hands at best. And God is saying, I want that jar. Because Jesus says, I'll take those six and I'll get the mix and then it becomes seven. You're that jar this morning, amen. And it says, what did it say? It said, fill it to the brim. Take that broken, dirty jar and fill it up this morning, amen. And in the, in the NIV, it says, fill it to the brim, amen. Fill it to the brim. Know your capacity this morning, amen. Some of us come in with 20-gallon jugs ready to be filled, and we're settling for a cup of water. And God is saying, fill it to the brim this morning because I want to fill you so much that there's no room for any counterfeit. There's no room for anything else in your life this morning. I want to fill you up. I want you to overflow to the top where they start to move you. You start to spill out onto the ground, amen. Then you start to overflow onto the ground. Ephesians 3, 19, it says, You may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Then you will be complete with all what? Fullness of life and power that comes from God. But see, what comes first? The fullness or the experience? It says, through the experience. See, it is up to you this morning to experience what God has for you, amen? It is up to you to be willing to get up and being used to be filled this morning, amen? And when you break free and you truly experience what God has for you, then you can find the what? The fullness of God, amen? But what did they need? What did they need in this situation? What did they need at the wedding? They needed wine. What did God give them? No, he didn't give them wine first. He gave them a bucket of water. That's not what I need, Lord. I need wine. You're giving me water and I need wine. See, what God pours into us, what God pours into us, we don't fully comprehend until the end of the journey. See, some of you are praying, God, save this loved one or move this way in my life. And God is saying, okay, I can do that, but let me fill you with patience first. Let me fill you with long-suffering. See, the, the, trying to get this out the right way. 
I'm gonna have the worship team come up because I don't want to go long and, and I feel God wants to do something right now. See, so many times God gives us what we don't really want at the moment. It, it's, it's, let's be real. But when we take what the Lord gives us and we accept it and we're thankful for it, in Philippians 4 or 5, it says, um, actually, I'm going to jump down to verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what? what you need and thank him for what he's done. Now, it didn't say thank him for meeting that need at that exact same moment in the way that I wanted it. It said, thank him for what he's done, amen. Now, what God does and what we want may not correspond together the right way, amen. But then in seven, it says, then you will what? Experience. See, this is all fitting together here. God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, as the servants got ready and they took those jars and those jugs and Jesus filled them with water, can you imagine what the, 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 the pressure and the uncertainty these servants had as they're going to take this water to the master of ceremonies going, this, this isn't going to work. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense how this is all going to play out. But if we go back to what Mary said, she said what? Do whatever he tells you to do. Despite what it looks like, despite how it came, continue on. And I believe in the motion of them taking the water to the master of ceremonies is when the change started to become. That as they were walking, they're looking down and it's getting a little darker and it's getting a little bit redder and a fragrance is starting to rise up out of it. And their faith and their excitement starts to get a little bit more. And the time they get to the master of ceremonies, they're just waiting. They're just waiting. They're just waiting. Taste this. Check this out. This is nothing you've never, ever experienced before. Amen. But it's through us. It's through the experience of walking with a jug of water. It's us walking, being filled with something we don't really comprehend. But knowing at the end of the journey, it's what we needed all along. Amen. Because if we go back to verse 10, if we go back to verse 10 right now, and I want everyone right now just to stand to your feet as we get ready to go into this altar call service right now. If we go back to verse 10, praise God. And a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then everyone has a lot to drink. He brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. And I'm telling you this morning, 
you haven't seen the best of what God has for you this morning, amen. Brother White, you haven't preached your best sermon yet, amen. Liz, there are gifts that God has set aside for you that you can't even contain because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for you in your life right now, amen. What God wants to do in your life is so much more than you can contain. And I love what it says before there. It says, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water, now wine, not knowing, not knowing where had it came from, except for what? He didn't know where it came from, but who knew where it came from? The servants knew where it came from. That when people go into your life and they go, how are you such an awesome pastor? That they didn't know that it was filled with sorrow and agony and unassurance. That all you're tasting is the end product. But you don't know where I came from to get there, amen. That you don't know the hours of frustration and agony and unbelief and unfaithfulness and the unassurance of what God wants to do in my life because you gave me a jug of water for a situation that requires something else. But the best is yet to come, amen. The best is yet to come for you this morning, amen. And if that is you this morning, I want you to what? Experience what God has for you this morning so that you can be fulfilled to the brim and change that water into wine this morning. Amen. If that is you this morning, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to experience what God has for you. I'm going to have our altar call team come up. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe with you that God is doing something in your life, that the best is yet to come in your life this morning. Amen. Don't hesitate. Come forward now. Come claim.